You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Good morning. Welcome to uh, Voice of Islam on Saturday morning. You're here with uh, Saf Amdi and Zishan Mirza. Uh, we're here to present to you the Voice of Islam Saturday morning show. Uh, apologies on behalf of Shazil, who's your usual presenter. Uh, he's not been able to join us today, uh, but we still hope to bring you an interesting show. So uh, we'll be going through some news stories today, wrapping up uh, what's been going on in the world. And we'll obviously also have a main topic to deep dive into. Uh, there's been lots going on, so I'll go straight into the weekly news roundup. Um, and we'll be hearing folks' thoughts on, on what's been going on as well. So to start with, um, there's a shooter who's on the loose in Maine. I don't think they've caught him yet. Um, so just just for listeners, there was a uh, shooter who has killed approximately 18 people, I think injured up to 20 more. Um, he's been uh, on the loose in Maine, a state in, in the USA. And uh, the police have been looking for him, I believe, over the last three to four days. Um, it was a middle-aged male. Uh, they've not kind of really been able to establish the motivation for the crime. Um, but there seems to, th- this just seems to be news that just reoccurs. We, we hear kind of, you know, about shootings almost every week, I would say, coming from America. Um, so very, very kind of sad and, and uh, scary story uh, and ongoing developments. So they still haven't caught him. Um, I think he's hiding out in the forest uh, and if you're, if you're watching closely, um, pretty much the entire main state is uh, in a state of emergency. Um, so everybody's being told to stay home. Uh, shops have shut down um, and essentially, you know, everything stopped functioning. Um, so, the, you know, the, the people of Maine, you know, solid, solidarity with you. Um, I can imagine it's a really, really tough time for, for everyone there. And uh, I can't even imagine what it's like having a killer on the loose in no, your area absolutely. no you're absolutely um, right i think i mean and this is as you said Zishan, i mean it's, it's, it's a story that sort of keeps on reoccurring um i think it's one of those aspects of u.s life in particular that people have almost become somewhat i, I would say desensitized yep. really to uh, to the idea of uh, the, these uh, these happenings have uh, you know occurring more and more frequently. Um, I think you know I think we've touched upon it in sort of previous shows um, to a large degree. Um, obviously, you know the world's <clears throat> the world seems a lot more of a difficult place. Um, the okay. the world seems a lot more of a difficult place. This you know we we sort of tend to sort of see um, a, a lot more people that seem. Uh, disassociated from society i guess you know they people seem to have sort of moved away and which is causing these mass shootings people whether they feel that they have to push either an agenda or whether it's just a you know whether it be a mental health issue but you know that those mental health issues also come from somewhere um and you know it's, it's very difficult to sort of um, pinpoint the root causes uh, of everything, but um, there just seems a dissatisfaction, generally, sort of across you know across a certain ecosphere, which um, has has culminated in more and more of these mass shootings. And we do, as you know, as I was saying, I think we we see it in the US quite a lot at the moment, and uh, even we're becoming a little bit desensitized yep. to the stories. You know, I sort of hear it so often. That it almost becomes a point now where one almost 
takes a step back and just says, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's all almost expected. Yeah, definitely. And um, just a small correction. So I think uh, the the suspect was uh, found dead. Um, oh, I think right. that news is kind of developed overnight. Um, and I believe uh, they're saying that Car- his sorry, his name was Robert Card, uh, and he's believed to have taken his own life. Now. Um, it was interesting, Saf, because you did mention mental health. Mm. Um, and there is a close link, obviously, between the deterioration of mental health and essentially taking it out on the society around you. Um, you know, th- this person, I would I would argue, it, you know, there's a common theme in America. Obviously, there's a gun control issue. Um, but there's also an issue of kind of young, impressionable uh, males now, obviously Robert Card wasn't that young, but uh, young impressionable males who resent society and you know resent the structures within society and feel like there's nowhere to turn, and it kind of results in this. Now that's a very kind of uh, summarized version of the psychology of of kind of you know shooters in America, um, but you know it does really beg the question, you know with america a society that's so focused on consumerism Mm. you know so focused on kind of hierarchy and class and uh you know capitalism you know is is that producing when you couple that with uh a lack of gun control you know you you can see how it's exacerbating the issue and you know people feel frustrated and they feel like they can take it out on society you know there's a pattern emerging here yeah. Um, now, whether the Americans or the American government, you know, are, are going to react to that is a different question, and that continues to be the debate in America today around gun control. It is, yeah, and I, I mean, I think, um, I mean, you know, I think even uh, the president, Joe Biden, he, he actually called upon some of the uh, some of the Republican Congress um, to actually stand up a little bit now, um, and you know. Essentially, essentially, sort of almost respond to their obligations, um, really, of uh, keeping keeping their, you know, keeping the population safe from these kind of uh, uh, attacks. I think they have got a very, uh, I would say, <clears throat> the U.S. has a very um, odd relationship with the Second Amendment that they have um, about the freedom to sort of bear arms. Um, and I think, as you said, you know, sort of went back on it as, as the idea of consumerism, you know, the, the ability to actually sort of obtain, hold and use um, uh, assault rifles and, you know, like some heavy duty armory um, just for personal use. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to be almost ingrained now in parts of their society, which is almost it's, it's, it's almost become for want of a better phrase, it's almost become like a bit of a religion, really. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that that one can't sort of move away from this. Um, and yet we see the sort of devastation it causes. Um, yeah. And we've seen it, for example, you know, you've seen it in the UK, you've seen it in Australia, you've seen it in many other developed countries that actually gun control does have a tendency of working. You know, it does... It does have an ability to uh, when you when you essentially when you when you make it a little bit more difficult for people to obtain certain uh, elements of armory. Um, of course, you know it's, it, it, you, you're going to see you're going to see less 
less killings. You're going to see yeah. less. You know, it, it it almost removes the ability for someone to to use it as a as a um, you know it, it almost it, it removes the ability for someone to use it as a tool um, to get to where they want. You know, you or I, we're probably all in the same boat. You know, like this. Sometimes your your emotions can get the better of you. Yep. You know, and um, you know there are times where, for example, I know my children always say this when I'm in the car. <laughs> you know, I have a tendency of, you know, uh, losing my uh, losing my temper. Yeah. But imagine, I mean, you know, the, the fact is, you know, for for a large part, um, you know, you, you're given that moment to sort of cool down and you know calm yourself down and. You sort of wonder it's 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 even an Islamic practice of being able to sort of be able to control your temper and exactly. hold your nerve. Yeah. And um, uh, but you know sometimes at the height of you know at the height of your emotions, you know the, the last thing you want to have on you is the ability to cause pain and strife. And I, to be honest, like we, we all we, we see it we see it in this country, for example, as well at the moment. I think I think with knife crime. Um, you know, I live in a very sort of rural part of. Little England, you know, outside in the villages, and we're so, and we're also beginning to sort of see that, uh, you know, the first signs of uh, people carrying, for example, knives around. Um, you know, youngsters um, in the evenings. It's become, I wouldn't say it's an uh, epidemic to the scale that uh, uh, that that you have in sort of central London and sort of some of the other inner city areas. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but there is a, as I said, I, I think earlier on, you know, like the, there's become this kind of dissatisfaction with society, and you've got this, <clears throat> you've got a younger age group now as well that have sort of fed into it, and I think there's so many things that we can sort of discuss about it, you know, and I, I think the U.S. is almost a sort of microcosm of all of that, you know. For example, like you said, the consumer side of things, you know, like everything is almost designed that you must have things. Um, that you know, like the sort of your material gain um, yep. means so much that people are willing to go to all sorts of steps, and if you can't achieve those, that somehow that you're a failure of some kind. Yeah, you know, we, we're sort of almost given this sort of uh, we're, we're given this feeling that we are somehow like a failure, or you know, we 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 haven't managed to achieve. And this obviously causes a dissatisfaction yep. because people are trying. People do try very hard. And, you know, when when it's very difficult to sort of achieve what I guess you've sort of set out, <laughs> you know, as goals, um, and it's hard to sort of achieve those, then you, you, you get, whether it be, you know, an older generation like this particular, you know, this particular guy that, um, that was running around um, the U.S., or you get, you know, a youth that, just recognizes that you know their future might not sort of hold what they sort of envisaged you know they're not going to be able to sort of achieve those <clears throat> you know they, they can't achieve the cars the lifestyle you know the private jets which now it's almost thrust upon us even with the sort of rise of social media and you know like I want to put it um the Instagram generation, and there are other social media yeah, <laughs> outlets yeah. that also sort of pu uh, purport that. But you know, you, you've got these sort of outlets now, which which almost advertise um, success, and uh, we, we're all we all get caught up in this sort of of almost having to show off all yeah. of the time. You know, like that we're living this amazing life, and 
it, it becomes a, uh, unfortunately it just sort of becomes this cycle um, of uh, the cycle that just ends up with people feeling that they've been left out somehow yeah I totally agree and I really like the point you made about human nature right which is uh, about your kids and you know losing <laughs> your temper and because because you're right you know naturally we are susceptible to these emotions mm. right and so how do we make sure that when we are you know vulnerable to those emotions um that we're not in a position where we can harm others mm. right now obviously with some folks you could put a gun in their hand and they can lose their temper yeah. and they won't yeah. kill people yeah, yeah right but at the same time it's all about prevention isn't absolutely. it absolutely so it's a why great give point. the opportunity yeah absolutely <laughs> and and um it, it just goes back to acknowledging human nature the realities of it and and building your laws around that and with america i feel like when i do talk to pro gun uh people you know they effectively the argument is much stronger than you think right it's not just a case of everyone loves an assault rifle that kills no people, no absolutely right? yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's a, there's a genuine case of i guess from you know the time america was founded you know from that time america was largely rural and so it always made sense for people who were very very far apart to have guns Absolutely. right yeah. um for animals for you know invaders or whatever um but technologically and from an evolution perspective that's all changed mm. but they're holding on to that kind of traditional argument yep. Yep, um, yep. And then obviously, yeah, you've got modern weapons that can kill 20 people in two seconds yep. flat, right? So, uh, it, you know, they're not coming to react. They're not facing reality for me. Yes. Uh, so it's a, it's a great point. Well, I think, I mean, also, for example, I mean, you know, if you look at the US's history, I mean, you know, you had a government, you had a federal government and you had all of these sort of states um, and a lot of those states you know, they, they pretty much controlled themselves and then you sort of had little local areas which, again, controlled themselves. The idea that the government itself, I mean, you know, they had a big civil war and what have you, and there was there was major disagreements um, amongst... So, so the right to bear arms was always there designed as, a, as almost like a fail-safe that, you know, you could even sort of react to the government if it was to turn around and start taking your land, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. However, I mean, you know, I, w w with the might of the U.S. government, I mean, I'm not really sure that one guy with an assault rifle is, yeah, <laughs> is going to keep his farm safe. Yeah, know? it's futile. <laughs> I agree. If he, if he, if he really, so I think, I, I think the whole principle behind that, I think, almost changes. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we now live, uh, you know, we we now live in a much more. Uh, it's funny. I mean, you know, we we do actually live in a much more uh, societal sort of um, uh, uh, class, if you if you see what I mean. I mean, we, you know, that we do believe in in a government of some kind. Yeah. Um, we we aren't in the sort of wild wild west anymore. Um, you know, that the, there is sort of federal requirements, and uh, that that sort of manifests itself. You, you know, the world has changed. The world has changed from the sort of late 1800s or early 1800s when when many of these uh, when many of these rules were sort of made. So, look, I, I mean, you know, it's it's sort of going back to that topic in particular. I think I, I think the U.S. Look, I mean, it's a it's a constant question, and I think it's it's a very emotive one, um, but also one that I think they they struggle with to such a degree that for, for a large part. These these kind of events bring it back to the fore. However, 
it's very normal that it gets shifted back into sort of the back pages very very quickly yeah um, and I think um, the fact that Obama wasn't, you know, Obama was a really strong voice on gun control. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he wasn't able to make that change and he dedicated so much of his time in, yeah. in office to, to trying to do so, I, th I think, you know, it, it just showed how far away we are from actually achieving change absolutely. on that. Yeah, absolutely um, right. But yeah, really interesting topic. And obviously, you know, condolences to the families out in Maine. And, and um, you know, we're glad, we're glad that that's come to an end. Uh, right, so the next topic, and, and sorry, also Saf um, touched on our main topic as well, which will be, uh, you know, the effect of social media on mental health. Mm. So we will deep dive that, and I think there's a lot to unpack there. Absolutely. Um, so uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about, and I think it's been lost a bit in the news, which is uh, the Russia and Ukraine war. Mm. Um, obviously, there's another conflict which has kind of usurped it in terms of headlines. Um, but with Russia... There was a headline uh, which got added to, to the agenda for discussion today, which I, I think would worry people if it was headline news. Um, it, you know, Russia said it had rehearsed a massive nuclear strike. Uh, so they were simulating uh, nuclear attacks. Um, and yeah, that, that was very worrying for yeah. me. What, what are yeah. your thoughts on that, Seth? You know, it's... And I think uh, His Holiness has touched upon it over the last, uh, especially over the last couple of weeks. And um, uh, and you know, we, it's obviously it's obviously the what, you know one of the topic one of the major major topics of news at the moment is the conflict in Israel and Gaza. And uh, we, you know, we know the importance of that right now. And you know, again, it, it's 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 such a tragic tragic um situation that's that's being played out what i would say to that is at the moment because the uh, emphasis has probably gone onto that and the escalation that's taking place right now in the middle east um there has been probably uh, one would say the the eye has been taken away a little bit from from the ukraine russia conflict um, which is uh, which also has sort of very many ramifications uh, addressed to it. We know, and this is I think something that His Holiness did touch upon as well. You know, more recently that slowly the world is slowly becoming a little bit more bipartisan, and that's worrying. Um, what we're having right now, we know that, for example, the the Russians have recently sort of been visiting China. Um, you know. Uh, creating a bit of a stronghold there. They've been receiving arms from North Korea. Um, you know, there seems to be a pact slowly sort of forming on one side of the table. Um, and definitely, I think, <clears throat> you know, we're seeing, the, obviously, you know, like the Western allies are sort of coalescing on, on the other end. This is problematic. And one can, again, no one is condoning anything that the Russians are doing, but for example, it does almost um, make it understandable why they would start doing this. Because um, more and more recently, we we're, we're seeing the escalation of many, many, um, many, many of these sort of uh, uh, issues now, sort of coming coming a little bit more to the fore. We we recognise that I think. I mean, if I, I, I could, if I could say this much, I think what the 
Israel-Palestine conflict right now is causing is at least you're seeing battle lines being drawn up, not just sort of within the sort of the the, the Middle Eastern area, but you're seeing it being drawn up on a global scale. Um, certain parties, for example, Iran and China, you know, Russia, um, slowly sort of forming, you know, one could say an uneasy pact, but it is a pact nonetheless. Um, the Western allies, you know, have, have always had a pact, but, you know, we we also see that slowly the rhetoric has shifted a lot. Yep. And I have to say, I mean, I'm, I'll be very honest, I, I, I was thinking about this even driving down today. I don't think in my lifetime I have ever seen such a divergence of uh, of thought. I've not seen such a divergence of different factions being made, and that is really concerning. Yep, I agree. I think this current, uh, the current conflict, for example, the Ukraine-Russia, I think it's so stark, you know, taking an Eastern European sort of approach. Uh, I have very many friends, you know, like that are Eastern European, Russian, um, and many of them... In many, you know, sort of going, there, there was always these little sort of, you know, that the, there would be your normal um, uh, digs at one another, you know, that someone was Ukrainian or someone was Russian or Belarusian or such and such, Latvian, Lithuanian, you know, there, there, there would be the little digs, but now it's become visceral, right? You know, um, the differences are becoming stark, and you know, the the it's a it's a lot more sort of. You know, they were like this at this time. You know, they they did this to us in X, Y, Z, post-World War, for example, and what have you. Um, we're seeing it being played out quite, I think, quite relentlessly right now in the Israel and Palestinian conflict. Yeah. I also would go back to that. I think in my whole lifetime, I think this is probably the most dangerous I've ever seen it. Yeah. I think this is... and. Obviously, we condone, you know, like the, the the attacks that Hamas made on the Israeli population on the seventh of October. One can also condone the, you know, what what's currently sort of going on as well uh, in in Gaza. But I have never seen such a stark um, number one stark contrast of opinion and stark. Uh, I think it for the first time in my life, I can really, really singularly say this looks incredibly incredibly dangerous yeah i agree and i think um you know each day i kind of wake up now uh, over mm. the last couple of weeks i've been waking up you know expecting to read something truly shocking yeah. right like it, yeah. it's got to that stage and you know going going back to russia and, and just to kind of uh, encapsulate everything you've spoken about for our listeners as well so you know saf is effectively referring to you know, a proxy war probability, mm. right? And, uh, you know, what is the probability of, of kind of smaller countries dragging in the superpowers into a, you know, larger scale conflict? Um, and I'd say essentially, you know, anybody who follows politics is constantly analyzing that as they're looking to see how these smaller conflicts are, are feeding into the larger kind of superpower narrative versus one another. And for, and, and when Saf says dangerous, and you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, I think you're referring to all-out war, mm. right? Uh, it is all-out kind of you know, full-scale war between the superpowers, and 
you know, that is really, really scary because you've got, you know, Russia and Ukraine uh, and obviously Ukraine has, uh, you know, a bunch of allies that is essentially threatening Russia and, you know, keeping Russia hyper paranoid. Uh, hence why you're seeing things like nuclear re rehearsals, despite Russia saying that, you know, this is something they do that's normal. And then the same with Israel and Palestine, right? Like Israel has, has a number of allies who are ready to go to war and the same with Palestine, mm. right? Um, and that's what we've seen over the last few weeks. So let's let's talk about Israel and Palestine. We can go into that now. I, I think the the escalation has been, uh, you know, almost daily uh, from a kind of uh, violence perspective, but also from a kind of breakdown of relations perspective. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So and uh, I think previously where we they were able to negotiate ceasefires, Israel and Palestine, that seems to be breaking down significantly because there's just too much water under the bridge at this stage right yeah. like how yeah. do you start measuring up how whether it's even or not you know everyone wants their revenge absolutely and you know I, it, it's probably been one of the most depressing things i've heard over the last few days is you know you listen to these sort of some of these talk radio shows you you know question time this and that and the other you know like some of the you recognize very quickly that no matter what someone has to say, but something happened beforehand, and this happened beforehand, and this happened beforehand. Yeah. And, you know, like, and we're going back millennia now to sort of dictate why we are in this current position. Um, and again, I go back to His Holiness's words. I think we are now at a point, we're at this sort of juncture, really, where things can really escalate out of control. So it really takes a party, one of the parties, be it one side or the other, that has to de-escalate. We really are at a point right now where we have to, no matter what, I think one thing that everyone can agree on is there has to be an end to the killing of young children, women, men. This has to, you know, there, there has to be an end point. Absolutely because we're just getting ourselves into this vicious, vicious cycle. Um, and it just doesn't seem to sort of want to come to any sort of conclusion. If anything, I think um, I worry, you know, I think as many of our listeners will, will be, as many of, you know, as, as many as sort of, you, you see the whole international community incredibly concerned about this. I mean, why does it get so much airtime? Because we know the repercussions of what it is, Israel, Palestine, they, 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 in actual fact, when you look at it on a map, you know, they they occupy such a very small, small territory of the world, yet this blowing out of proportion could really have massive ramifications to the rest of the world. Yeah, and we spoke about the superpowers to a large degree. I mean, I think. All of them on both sides have a lot to answer for here because, quite frankly, what they're what they're allowing to happen is uh, they're allowing for a lot of these proxy wars to happen in smaller areas, which almost keeps themselves out of it. Yeah, but they can play out their power struggles exactly in smaller areas, um, whether that be on the border of Russia, Ukraine, whether that be in uh, you know in uh, Palestine and uh, Israel, whether that be in Syria, whether that be in you know like the South China Sea. You know, um, many of the, many of the superpowers, 
and I, I really, I, I go back to this. I think the problem is, and again, I say this from a both sides perspective. Yeah, you know, I really do. I think many of them have got themselves caught up in the hypocrisy of some of their decisions that they've made in the past. Yeah, you know, because of certain decisions and the way that they've acted in the past, they now f- hold. They now find themselves in a situation where. When somebody else is doing something, they naturally they have to just agree because they know their own history. Yeah, and that's causing them real problems. Absolutely, it's it's a great point. The the you know we're talking about um, trying to make things right, right? So like Israel essentially have taken land, mm. okay, at some point in history, and you you know the the Palestinians are never ever going to accept that that land belongs to Israel, right? Mm. Like that's, it's Mm -hmm. just a no-go. So that's, you can't go down that road, right? The Palestinians will never concede. Um, And then the Israelis are upset about the number of Israelis that have been killed since they got there, Mm. right? And they're never, ever going to concede on the fact that they've lost that number of of Israelis. Um, Now, and the problem is, I think another issue is when people talk about Israel-Palestine, they, you know, you can end up conflating it with Judaism and Islam, right? Now, Absol- yeah, you're absolutely right. There is yeah. a historical yeah. context, absolutely, right, which yeah. is relevant to Judaism and Islam. But I think, you know... We hear it all the time. Exactly. You know, when people talk of Israel, and I do, I, I mean, it is a bugbear of mine when people talk about Israel. They sometimes refer it to as, you know, and the, the Jews. And I think that's completely, completely wrong. It I, is. I, I, I think it's one of the most... Um, and unfortunately, I I, th- I think it's it, it's it's been it gets manifested over and over again that I can understand some of the I, I can understand some of the argument where people will say that you know where they feel it's somewhat anti-Semitic. Yeah, but I think because we you know there is this sort of constant conflation with it. Yeah, um, and and I just want to make but you know. Uh, it's interesting obviously when Jeremy Corbyn was in power you know this was an accusation that was thrown around a lot which is if you talk about Israel you're being anti-Semitic but it's interesting because Saudi is a Muslim country Mm. um, have been an ally to Israel Mm. right so Mm. uh, the politics is complex and it doesn't boil down to religion right Um, so there's a lot of complexity there and I think look the I was listening. I mean, to it's, it's it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I, uh, you know, I've, I've got a very good friend of mine who's um, who's Palestinian, but Christian. Yeah. And you know, and uh, they actually make up a very large section of it. They said they. He actually says sometimes we get very forgotten. Yeah. In the whole conversation, it's true. Um, and we actually saw, you know, the uh, the hospital that got bombed, and you know, there's obviously discussions as to who bombed it, where, whether it was, you know. Whether it was a rogue missile or or not, um, but it was actually a Christian Christian hospital yep. um, that that got bombed, and I, I think it's and I think people are slowly beginning to because they do refer to them now as Arabs um, a little bit more, but that but that almost gets linked almost immediately that you know they must be Muslim. Muslim, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's a, it is you're you're completely right. It's a very it's a very complex. It is topic. It's a very complex area. It's a very complex history. It is, and you know, I was listening to Reza Aslam talk about it. He's a prominent journalist in America, and 
I think the solutions that he was kind of putting forward, I, th- I think he's Palestinian, I could be wrong on that. Um, but the solutions he was putting forward, you know, I, d- I don't think people would like, right? So he was effectively saying that, you know, uh, folks have to accept that Israel isn't going anywhere, mm. right? It, mm. It's always mm. going to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you almost have to start moving on from the history to even get to grips Correct. with that point, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. And then if 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 you get to grips with that point, then you have to start thinking about Israel and Palestine um, living on the same land and Palestine maybe having some kind of minority government, like mm. a, a minority stake in a government led by Israel, yep. right? Um, but he's like, that is realistically the way we get out of this, yes, right? Which yeah. is, yes, a highly contentious, divisive government, you know, that probably will have racism and xenophobia and, you know, all the horrible things with, you know, divisive groups. But it is a step towards resolving that issue, yeah. right? Um, so I think, you know, that is something that you probably wouldn't be able to get a Palestinian person to accept, right? Is is to say, mm. listen, accept, you know, Israel's taken over this land and now we're going to form a government around it and try and work out what to do going forward. It's just not acceptable. So um, I think, you know, when you start to look at every conceivable solution and how it's not possible that leads you to a place of escalation mm. right it's, it's just more and more downward spiral escalation um and i i think you know I, I think netanyahu you know this morning we woke up and he expanded his ground evasion i think he's yeah. it's one of the heaviest days of bombing yeah uh, over the last 24 hours i think so, over the last yeah over the last few decades i think this is this is probably one of the most um this is the most amount of heaviest bombing that Gaza has faced in probably in its short history. Yep. And the Americans don't seem to have the say they usually do. So usually, you know, they were able to come up in the in Israel's previous conflicts and wars, the Americans have been able to come forward and almost impose ceasefires, right? Um, but now Israel is all you know, it's operating so independently and mm. it's like, look, you guys write us a check. And, you know, we're, we're grateful for that, mm. but we're still going to call the shots now. Mm. And so really well and truly, when we talk about Israel, we're just talking about Netanyahu and his cabinet and, and the emergency government that he's put together. Um, and, and it's worth remembering as well that Israelis were protesting against Netanyahu just before this conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was almost a civil war in Israel over the judicial reform process where Netanyahu was seen as um, an, an outgoing politician, right? They, they were absolutely dead certain that they wanted to get rid of him. They weren't happy with any of the decisions he had mm. made over the last couple of years. And the judicial one was the kind of icing on the cake, right? So he was on his way out. The fact that that's all gone now and that he's got an emergency government and he's able to lead without interruption, um, you know, I, I would... I would question, you know, they call Israel a democracy in the in the <laughs> Middle East, and you know some of those practices. I just Absolutely, no, but look, I mean, I think we we know full well. I mean, again, you know, I have been again, you know, like speaking to Israeli friends, many of them have a big problem with him. You know, this is not it's not something that, and actually, there was quite a few people that rose up against him, and have been very vocal against. Um, uh, Netanyahu, just as there are many Palestinians that just do not like Hamas, yeah, that do not believe that Hamas actually have uh, in any way, um, in any way represent them, 
um, in any way are um, credible power, you know, credible uh, brokers of peace. Um, and I think that's that's. I mean, I heard it recently, you know, like, and I think it was sort of said by Sayyid Awasi on, um, on on Question Time on Thursday. The problem right now that the mid, especially that area, is there is a real vacuum of leadership, and they're not being represented by, you know, both sides um, are currently being led by extremes from both end. And <clears throat> actually, you do have a very big middle ground that do want peace. Yeah. Um, and it's it's very difficult to sort of hear their voices at the moment because, uh, you know, many of them, you know, and it is, it's, 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 it's so, so, um, I, I don't think depressing is even the right word because depressing almost feels like you sort of give up on it. But it's, you know, when you sort of look at, when you're, when you're hearing these stories coming out um, from the people of Gaza, when you're hearing of some of the families that have lost loved ones, you know, in the in the shootings that took place um, in uh, on the seventh of October, there's, you know, there's not much that one can sort of think but complete despair. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, complete despair for 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 these people, many of whom just want to go about their business. You know, like they just want to get on with life. They want to, their children want to be brought up. I worry very much. I think the problem with these, <clears throat> with the, pro- the the problems that we're now facing is that with every bit of escalation, and I know that you know that the ultimate goal is to try and eradicate Hamas, um, but you know with the, with these current bombings, I very much fear that right now what's happening is quite the opposite. You might be getting rid of certain people, but there may be a new generation of people being created who have living through this bombing which 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 may end up you know which which may go to extremities again and yeah this is where i worry that this cycle has to end somehow you know yeah. like it really does well and it's interesting right because i think look it it's all about perspective like with with the israeli civilians who passed away at the festival now uh, i was reading you know how how that was perceived by hamas Right now, from Hamas's perspective, you've got people, uh, they're civilians by my standard, but by Hamas's standard, you've got people essentially partying in a demilitarized zone, right? Like that land has not been agreed and, mm. and it's all contentious. And then from the Israeli perspective, you know, as a citizen, you like you move over, you move over to Israel, let's say from America and... You know, you think, okay, I'm moving to kind of help the self-determination of Israel. Mm. You know, I want this country to exist. All of that good stuff, right? That's Mm. fine. Um, Which is a bit provocative for Hamas, right? But then maybe you forget about that when you've you've moved there. But Mm. Hamas don't forget. So when when civilians were at that festival, from Hamas's perspective, they were just people hanging around in a kind of demilitarized Mm. zone. And so there's just never a, a... kind yeah, of light there isn't. Yeah. at the end of the tunnel for yeah. peace right yeah. like yeah. Hamas are always going to perceive even civilians innocent people as people there to provoke the, mm. the land issue um, and obviously Hamas will always always be seen as terrorists rather than kind of any resistance you know mm. force so there's a lack of empathy on both sides yeah yeah so I mean and you know 
And I mean, truth be told, I, I, you know, when, I, I'm not sure if we're ever going to find a solution. You know, like we're, we're not going to f- find a solution in the next couple of hours or uh, anything like that. But it it will take the will. I mean, you know, and I I always look at the kind the peace process that took po- uh, took place in Ireland. Um, you know, and in in the in the late nineties, um, it did take it did take both sides to actually almost bury away their history to sit down around a table to make a choice and decision. And people are still unhappy about certain aspects of yeah. that peace deal. You know, people people will always be unhappy. That's I mean, I think that's the whole point of a compromise that you're never going to be. You know. <laughs> Sometimes people, I think, get the impression that a compromise should be that everyone sort of leaves the table happy. But I think the reality is with a compromise, people are going to at least walk away not as angry as when they started. Yeah. Uh, you know? And I think that's that's kind of where, where we need to be. Now, I think the idea for, for a two-state solution, I think, is, you know, it always seemed like a credible one. But unfortunately, it looks further and further away. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, you know, I, again, for what it's worth, I probably think that the uh, what Reza Aslan probably said is probably in the right sort of ballpark that one almost has to accept, yeah. you know, like that the local population or there is a right of return for, for those people that can prove their Palestinian heritage um, that have, uh, that are allowed to have, so, you know, that are allowed to live, have equal say, have their vote. Um, taken into consideration with a majority um, uh, Israeli population. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, you yeah. know, it looks. You know, again, looking at the sort of history of it, and you know, sort of how the land borders have changed over the course of time. And I think I remember sitting there thinking, "Oh, you know, this this would work." And you actually look at it, and the very first. Uh, you know, in the nineteen sixty-seven, is it nineteen sixty-seven? I think it was the, the first drawing of you know, like the different areas. And Jerusalem actually was centered, even though it's very much placed within the West Bank. It was actually sort of almost circled as a international sort of uh, site. You know, like that, no one would have real control over it. Yeah, I actually thought that that would be a good idea, but obviously that. They tried to make it work, yeah. and it hasn't. So, that, yeah, you know, no, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I think that's cracking. Yeah, 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 you know, but it was, uh, you know, it is, uh, it, it is what it. Uh, unfortunately, we are where we are, and I think, really, um, and again, I go back to what His Holiness has said. You know, like we must pray for peace. And yep. The only way that one can pray for peace and hope for it is that one side actually does decide that they no longer wish to engage yeah you know i think um you know i've i've been learning about israel palestine uh, since i was like 15 years old mm. right and the facts have never changed right? yeah like, it's yeah. always Hang been on. this the same issue um you know h- historically as well i i just i feel like the jews absolutely deserve a homeland and and self-determination um and i think where it's got lost a bit is there was a clip from Joe Biden where uh, back when he was very, very young and he was just a senator, I believe. And he he was saying, you know, if we didn't have an Israel in the Middle East, we would have to pay, pay for mm-hmm. an Israel equivalent yep, in the yep, Middle East, right? Yep. And, you know, I'm all for 
you know, the home of Judaism being in the Middle East, I'm not for American interests being represented <laughs> through that entity, right? Yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah. and I think that's yeah. the the mix up for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so Sorry, yeah. just as a reminder, um, in case you do want to uh, participate in the call today, um, the number that you can dial is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Please do give a call in if you want to um, get your opinions voiced. And you can always also get us at our handle on uh, X, I think it is now, Zishan? Yeah, is, is I think, it X? I think it's <laughs> is X, that the yeah. new one? At Voice of Islam UK. So that's at Voice of Islam UK, all one word. So, um, yeah. you know, by all means, uh, do do uh, join in in the conversation. I mean, we, we'd love to have some uh, callers in as well um, to get their perspective. But, yeah, yeah I mean, as I said, uh, Zishan, I mean, uh, as it... As it currently stands, it, it seems like a, it seems like a very troubling sort of uh, troubling affair at the moment. I mean, we 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 do hope and pray, and you know, I think even if you look at His Holiness's messages, really right now, that we should you know we should almost give up one of our uh, our sajdas or you know like our prostrations to God um, for this uh, f- for this particular. Um, uh, for this particular event at the moment, um, and because I think there there is a, there is an underlying importance that if this was to get out of get out of hand and really go off the scale, yeah, this is going to be very problematic. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, what role should we play? I think you know, look at how the countries interact with Israel and Palestine. I think everyone's queuing up to take turns at you know de-escalating this thing. Um, and, you know, as an individual, you should be similar, right? Like it should be Absolutely. anti-divisive. You know, you should look to, you know, make Jews and Muslims feel more comfortable, you know, and, and um, you know, try and empathize with the other side. I think that's the moral of this story, right? Absolutely. Is, yeah. No, um, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think I think if anything, this this time should show us or should give us is a time to find our bridges to create with one another. Right? I think, you know, this this is the moment in time where. Um, karma heads and more common sense should prevail where what do we actually want out of this yeah what do you know ultimately what do we want we all want pretty much the same thing i think for a large i would say 99 percent of the population of this of the globe would right now would want the killing to end you know they just want things to stop and you know like for for people to be able to sort of live in peace with one another um, yeah um i th- i think look the and my my last kind of piece on this is i think we always hear about war you know you always hear about people dying collateral damage you know lots of destruction i think the thing that has really shocked people this time around is knowing that there's like two and a half dead ch- uh, thousand dead children mm. right like mm-hmm. out of the numbers the fact that you've got dead children is just way too far yeah you know, and um, that shouldn't be a number that shouldn't be that that should never be a statistic in any in any way it's you know it's 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 a painful painful statistic and and i think the the the, the importance is that you know that, that that those statistics don't go in vain you know like they they, they 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 it's not just a number that goes into the history books that we should learn from it that we should actually be able to move away from this and actually be able to sit here and think about you know exactly what that entails think about the lives that will no longer be lived you know like think about the 
the experiences that won't be had. Um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very, very sobering thought, I think, um, the fact that we, we, we have lost so many innocent, innocent children in, uh, in these conflicts. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, Saf. And yeah, thank you to our listeners as well for kind of sitting with us through such a difficult subject, but it's an ongoing one and I'm sure we'll have uh, more updates on that going forward. Uh, and so another thing that um, I wanted to cover just in the weekly news roundup, Saf, uh, just before we move on to the main news story was uh, interest rates are tipped to be held as the jobs as jobs market weakens. Mm. So uh, the state of the economy now, interest rates have have been a joke, right? Like they've been, <laughs> you know, they've been climbing up and up. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, like, uh, you know, I guess a personal experience. I. I <laughs> I bought a place just over a year ago uh, on a variable rate, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've, I mean, I think I've had something like 10 hikes since yeah, I moved in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's crazy times out there for people. It really is. And I think <clears throat> the reality is, I think, I think my problem with, suppl- with, with, uh, with interest rates in this particular country is uh, in the past, maybe it worked to sort of hike rates in the manner that they've been doing. I think because it's such a globally... Um, globally sensitive economy now and most of, most of the things that affect us we don't have a natural we don't have a natural um, ability to administer it within our own country for example if you take something like the price of oil that is not something that we can control with our interest rates if you see what I mean yeah um, the price of oil keeps on going higher and higher and higher which of course is making the cost of transportation, of producing, of maintaining products um, goes higher and higher at the same time. So that's actually where you're having your natural inflation. We've also got a falling currency, um, which is happening again completely on a natural basis. And, you know, it's it's not something that's sort of really taking... It's not really something that we uh, can... Uh, we can control off of our own back. Um, and, um, you, you know, the argument being that it's a very supply side. Um, so basically, you know, we're seeing we're seeing a hike in rates. So interest essentially is there to dampen the effect of inflation. Yeah. Now, inflation is kind of getting out of control. And in the past, the reason why you raise rates is by making in essentially, you know, in inverted commas, money more expensive, yep. you <clears throat> take out the demand for people to be able to spend it, Yep. right? So the, the less ability that somebody has to spend money, you dampen the demand for goods and services, and slowly that should curb, you know, like any inflationary concerns. Yep. What we're having is not so much a problem that somebody is, you know, that we're all spending freely, it's more that prices of things are naturally going up because the underlying cost to produce, to maintain those products, to transport those products is going higher on its own. Now, that's a problem. It right? is. And how do you solve that? Because it's not actually something that is, that is it's not really something that you can solve by, by a method of, you know, like changing the demand aspect of it. Yeah. Because actually, I think what you'll find is, and we've seen this in retail figures and all all sorts of other figures. You know, like in <clears throat> we're, the uh, our ability to spend money or our wish to spend money is actually going 
getting getting lower and lower. Yeah. Yet prices seem to still be going higher and higher. Um, we're now seeing it with our, you know, we're seeing it with energy costs. Uh, that's getting more expensive. You're seeing it on the supermarket shelves. You know, everything is getting more expensive. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, our ability to spend that money is getting less and less because, for example, like you said, mortgages are going higher. Um, for those people that need to, and you know, most businesses will have some sort of lending facility available to them. Their lending facilities are getting more and more expensive to run. Yep. So it is, it's, it's, it's a problem that this country, it's, it's not unique to this country. It's, I mean, you know, like many, but <laughs> I would say it's not unique to emerging markets. <laughs> yeah. So one could, one, one you know, the, the concern is, are, is that actually what we're turning into? Are we turning into one of these sort of emerging markets, which has to sort of concern ourselves more on how to sort of dampen uh, already, you know, like already strife inflation with just one tool, which is raising interest rates. Um, it, 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 it's, it's a real concern. I mean, I work, I work in the industry, and I, I'll tell you the truth. I think it's a, it's a very concerning matter for men, for many people yeah. that look at economics. Yeah, hundred percent. And I would say when you don't know what to do with the tool, right? <laughs> it's it's bad times. Absolutely, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's what's worrying is, uh, you know, inflation is climbing, but we have no real way of combating mm. the, the cost of things, right? Yeah. Um, and. That's only getting worse with everything we've spoken about before this due to mm -hmm. the wars, etc. So, um, yeah, I, I think the cost of living is massive at the moment, um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, and it's hap the conversations are happening in the most subtle ways as well. Right. Mm. Um, you'll hear people joking about the price of eggs going up too mm -hmm. much. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're joking, but they're not joking. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I uh, just bef like just before I got married, I moved back to my parents place. Right. And my mum was joking with me that, you know, she was like, when you moved out, like I saw a significant reduction in my <laughs> egg bill, right? And it was, it, it's a thing, right? Like if you've got a couple of sons at home, <laughs> yeah. right? And, you know, they like to play football yeah. or, or go to the gym, right? And, you know, you're going to be burning through eggs, yeah. right? And, and so, you know, if we use that as a measure... Uh, and Try for, protein powder, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know you can substitute, um, but you know for me that's a sign of the times, right? Is when you got to substitute. Um, so, you know, if we use egg as as the measure, right? I think you know we're talking about middle. You know, I would say my mum and dad are middle class by this point. You know, middle class families are genuinely concerned about the smallest mm, of things, yeah, right? Yeah. And for me, that is. Um, you know, a high, like a deep paranoia about the way Absolutely. things are going yeah. uh, in terms of Well, look, of costs. I mean, the reality is, I think in any recessionary environment, it will, it's always the middle class that gets hit the most Yeah. Um, on a number of fronts, whether it be taxation, you know, because obviously taxes are going higher. Um, so you'll get hit on that because the very wealthy know their way around a lot of the taxation things. Plus, yeah. they have the ability to get up and move whenever they feel like it. Um the lower class or the working, I mean, I wouldn't say the, the I wouldn't say working class, working classes sort of thing, but I would say, you know, um, those that um, uh, require benefits and things like that will not see a major change in their income. But what they will see is obviously the price of inflation becomes, you know, like it becomes a problem for them. But the middle class is where you probably see the most squeeze, I would say. 
Um, and yes, I think it's right now, it's the middle classes that are really, really struggling with this because they're now finding themselves where, for example, I was talking to a friend of mine recently and he was saying, you know, where I would at least expect to save some money at the end of the month, I'm sort of finding myself now having to use that saving to sort of compensate for the fact that everything's so much more expensive. Yeah. So, and, you know, this is a, these aren't people that are living extravagant lifestyles. You know, th- this is just sort of making, you know, like balancing the books at the end of a normal month. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that will become more and more of an issue over the next uh, and I, I, I do think that we're probably going to be in this kind of interest rate environment for, for at least another year. Right. Um, I think, you know, you might get some recessionary. Uh, you, but this is the problem, right? The only the only real way out of it and a, a reduction of interest rates will be if we go through a recessionary environment. Right. That in itself is not a great thing. We're talking about lost jobs. Yeah, lost jobs and, you know, like loss of living and uh, what have you. So um, we we are, yeah, we're we're on the precipice of um, some bad news. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you, Seth. Uh, So we'll just go into the break now. And after the break, we'll be going into the main topic. Thank you. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording. And lines are now closed. Welcome back to Saturday morning, uh, Voice of Islam. Uh, you've got Saf uh, and Zishan as your presenters, and um, we'll be going into the main topic. But just before we do that, um, we'll be. I wanted to ask Saf about the general election next year. So we were talking about inflation earlier, and I just wanted to understand how you think that's going to have an impact on who's going to win. Yeah. Um well, I think very clearly right now, I think we're sort of seeing um, across the board polls showing that it's it's really there for Labour to lose really right now, isn't it? I mean, uh, they, they seem to be so far ahead. And I think, you know, we touched upon sort of uh, the issue on inflation. We've talked about, you know, like the... And I, I think there's so much now history, you know, over the course of uh, this conservative government so much bad <laughs> bad press you know we saw we saw i think going back to from david cameron um if we look at sort of you know what, what's happened with david cameron you know like the the brexit result and it seems as if you know there is actually that there, there has been more and more people turning to the i think views have changed quite considerably that this is not going according to plan yeah. Uh, not even according to plan. There, there was no plan, and you know people are beginning to figure that out. And uh, us leaving the European Union, for want of a better phrase, has um, has has been has been largely a bit a bit problematic. <laughs> I would Just, say. A bit, yeah. Just a bit. Um, then we saw uh, Boris Johnson. I think, and you know, you you sort of had the whole well. We almost forget there was Theresa May in between, and you know, like her deal. And again, it was—I think it was, it was that whole European Union sort of uh, uh, relationship that brought her to her end. Then we had Boris Johnson, who essentially won this massive majority uh, in government. But uh, and what I, I guess what somebody could say, you know, what some would say that you know he he did it on on on, on false promises. Uh, those false promises came to. The afford, then you had the whole COVID 
um, uh, era. And, you know, now we're sort of finding out all sorts of, you know, like, for example, the corruption that's taken place during that time, all the parties that were taking, you know, and that, that sort of lost a lot of goodwill that I think the, the population had given him. Yep. Then we had, of course, Liz Truss. I was saying this out loud. I mean, you sort of almost forget that these <laughs> these things actually occurred. Then you had Liz Truss, who essentially broke the economy, you know, in the space of, I think it was, what, less than a month. Um, and uh, we've now had Rishi Sunak, who probably credible, but really not inspiring in any way um, for the large part. And I think that's sort of the... The sort of general the general feeling around him plus we have had a big economic shock to us over this period you know we, we're getting these this cost of living crisis and um, I think for the large part many people do feel that he is out of touch um, and that's being projected onto the polls yeah quite frankly and I think <clears throat> it's really I would go as far as saying right now I don't think labor are winning this I think the conservatives are just really really losing it um, and uh, that sort of seems where we are right now. Um, <clears throat> we have seen this week um, Keir Starmer come under uh, quite a lot of pressure, actually, and quite a lot of uh, backlash for some of his comments made about the Gaza-Israel, uh, sorry, the Palestinian-Israel conflict. Um, whether that will translate, because I, I, I've noticed definitely by a sort of core set maybe somewhat left-leaning Labour voters, um, that he's uh, he's probably lost some traction on that side. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but I think I think I think I really do think it. I mean, it it really is there for him to lose. Uh, by the same token, I think I think all of the goodwill um, that was associated to the to the Conservatives, that red wall. I I think even some very strongholds, and we've seen that in some of the by elections very recently, real Conservative strongholds moving over to Labour. Um, one would have to say, I think, you know, it would be, um, I would almost say, I, I think it's almost harder for him to lose, for Keir Starmer to lose the next election than it is to win it right now. Yep. Um, and uh, <clears throat> it would be interesting to see how, for example, how the this conflict and how his reaction to that conflict um, may actually uh, translate into polls. But he, look, I, I think that, that so far it looks like they're pretty much riding riding incredibly high. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's a really accurate analysis. And you know, I, I love the way you put. You know, I think that the Tories are losing this election <laughs> yeah. rather than Labour because yeah. that's exactly what it feels like, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And uh, you know, Keir. Keir has he's kind of built this reputation now as somebody who doesn't take positions mm, right which mm. I, I just don't know if you want to be in that place um, and you know you want to have some conviction in your beliefs I, I, I agree with you I think it's working for him somehow though maybe I think you know like I think the problem is that that he almost recognizes that every time he does take a stance on on something um, he kind of gets attacked for it by one side or another he I think he has this, the issue that he has right now is he's trying very, very hard with that center ground. Um, and But I actually think one of the things that Jeremy Corb Corbyn did was that he really galvanized that, you know, the, I don't want to call it the extreme left. I don't think it's the extreme left. I think it's the sort of left-leaning 
wing of the Labour Party was very much galvanised and felt, probably felt to a slight degree, reassured that the Labour, you know, like that the Labour movement was for them. Yep. Um, and I think that might be... I think I think he sort of has the you know there's almost a very unholy alliance <laughs> between the two, and um, you do get those kind of momentum, you know like momentum I guess you know sort of probably a little bit more towards the left but yep. they they have this tendency of you know before you would say they probably had a lot more power within the party to sort of dictate who came in and I think that might have dissipated to a slight degree. He's concentrating on the centre ground a lot yeah. more. Yeah. Um and yes, I think with the center ground sometimes it's easier to be safe rather than sorry and almost not take up a position. Yeah. Um I also think that he is very aware that the main attack line and the only attack line that seems to be sort of coming out on a regular basis is that he sat on Jeremy Corbyn's cabinet from the Conservatives and he almost probably almost wants to distance himself from that as much as possible. Yeah. But yes, it does cause him into it does put him into this weird category. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with you. I I completely agree. I think I think he doesn't really stand for anything in particular. I mean, you don't if you look at him and you actually think, "Okay, what does he stand for? What does he, you know, like what what is, you you can almost say that about nearly all of the Tory leaderships, whether you agreed with it or not. They did actually, you know, for a large part they kind of stood for something. Yeah even if it was to some degree contrived <laughs> with, yeah. with certain, you know, they stood for something. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, I, th- I think he has, he, but I don't think that causes him a problem. I think where it will cause him a problem is when he's in power. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where if he was to get in, it's it's a very easy thing for any opposition to lay against him is that essentially you're here but what is it that you're actually fighting for? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's there's one thing taking out the UK resident non-dom rules or this. I mean, there's this they're really really small little peripheral issues. I think I, I think agree. there is a I think there are there are larger issues that this country faces, and we don't really we haven't really heard what Labour offer. For example, with the NHS, I, th- I think is one of the main ones. You know, like they're very much pro NHS. They're very much thing. But they're not really giving any real policy guidance. They're not really giving guidance as to what they would do yeah. once they're there. I would agree. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think, I think look, where people are probably a bit uh, demotivated with politics um, is it voting always was kind of premised, especially in a fi- first party past the post system mm. in a democracy on having a healthy alternative. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. nobody wants to vote for more of the same, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It, it doesn't matter what your politics is. Yeah. And I think that's where mm. Keir is feeling. I feel like the folks who voted, for, who really wanted Corbyn in power, right, um, could probably have gotten on board with Keir somehow. Mm. But it's this kind of defeated feeling that we were only really going to get bold change with Jeremy Corbyn, right? Yeah. And we don't know if we're going to get any change with Keir Starmer. And I say that because he's got this tendency to kind of oppose Tory policy. And sorry, so he'll criticise it. But he oh, he's very good. I mean, yeah. the thing is, I, I actually, one thing I would say is he's very good at that. Like forensically yes, yes. looking, forensically looking at a policy and, 
you know, finding all of the holes and being able to sort of beat it up and sort of almost present it in a way that, but it, it's it's a very, I, I would say it's um it's a very, it's, it's it's a legal way of going around things, and yep. you can sort of see his lawyer yeah, background. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, he's he's very forensic on the details of a policy, but. Yeah, you're. I I know what you're going to say next yeah, is yeah. that he doesn't offer. <laughs> yeah, he just you know, and and I think what folks need now more than ever um, is uh, conviction, right? And mm. I think I don't think there's anything wrong with centrism. There's there's fantastic MPs in the Conservative Party and the Labour Party who represent centrism really really well. I just don't know if Keir Starmer's one of them. Like I don't know if he is, um, and he seems. He doesn't seem to be very popular with right-wing politicians. Mm. Um, he, you know, it, it, it's not yep. like his neutrality is winning him tons yep. of support from the other side. Uh, and then obviously he's alienated a large part of his own party as mm. well. Now, how that translate, uh, how that translates on poll day is a mystery to me. Yeah. I think this has got to be one of the most unpredictable elections on because I know a lot of people are saying the Tories have been in power for 12 years they've completely messed it up and Rishi's running a really weird campaign <laughs> yeah, right yeah, um, yeah. we can talk about that <laughs> but the um, but then I don't know if 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 Keir's just if he's doing enough he's the first politician I've seen who's really just sat back on you know almost everything and mm. he's just kind of watching it unfold and even the israel palestine thing you know he's been forced now he's been forced to kind of you know think about some comments he's made yeah, a while back yeah. and somehow that's getting a position out of him yeah but otherwise you know he's very cagey no he i think and i actually think when i look i mean i, I heard that interview that sort of got him into a lot of hot water yeah on lbc yeah i did and as well, um, yeah. I, I heard it when he said it and i thought to myself he's i think that was a misstep because um for the large part i think he he again he he he's been really committed to this uh rooting out anti-semitism in the party um and i think he got himself caught up in that a little bit he got himself caught up in the idea that he's got a f- sort of toe a toe a line <laughs> to a large part, you know, that he had to sort of follow uh, fo- follow general consensus. But in doing so, he it was only until afterwards sort of recognising that you're alienating a very, very large proportion of the electorate that is going to go for you. Yeah. Um, and you've seen the rollback that's sort of taken place as a result since. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, but I think that what that will do is rather than give him an, rather than that giving him an avenue to sort of take a stance over certain things, I think what that what that's going to do is actually keep him back in where he wants to be, which is in a safe place maybe. of not saying anything. Yeah, maybe. You know, and uh, because because they're not saying anything has actually helped him quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, it's co- it's got him to this position. He by not having any particular position, no one's really, really pointed the finger at him because you said you're, you're absolutely right. I think there are people on the right wing that dislike him and there's people on the left wing that really dislike him. Yeah, but I don't think it's enough. They don't. I mean, I put it this way. I don't think they dislike him enough. Yeah. And there's nothing really about him that you can sort of actively point your finger and say 
that about you I dislike I you know this is what you said this is what you sort of and essentially what happened in that interview was the first time I've seen it happen to him in such a way where people have pointed the finger at him yeah absolutely I think look he's I for me in that moment he forgot what the Labour Party is comprised of, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. the moment he gave that interview, I think it was something like 12 or 15 Labour MPs literally just came out and undermined him immediately. Yeah. And they were like, we want a ceasefire in, yeah, in that region. Yeah. He should be calling for a ceasefire as well. Yeah. He doesn't know what he's talking about, <laughs> right? Literally, that was the reaction. So, um, and, and that's why I'm, I'm calling the election unpredictable is because I don't know if Keir knows how to mobilise the existing support that he has. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure how that's going to play out well, on I, election day. I'll put it this way. I, mean, I think that people are so fed up of the Tories that they will go and they will go out and vote against the Tories. Yep. Now, if that's a Labour, if, if Labour is, you know, like uh, the alternative, they'll go for that. Yep. If it's the Lib Dems, they'll go for the Lib Dems. If it's, uh, you know, whoever whoever sort of comes next, it's always going to be a uh, thing because people just want, I think people want a change. Yeah, people want a change from uh, from the Tory fr- from from the Tories. I think they found them uninspired, uninspiring. I think you know, with all literally, it has been um, again for want of a better phrase, it's been a bit of a circus yeah. over the last sort of four or five years. Um, you know, it really has been. I yep. mean, you know, it's um, and the type of politicians that we, we you know like that have sort of that that we've had as as leaders seeing them come and go and the t- essentially the conservatives literally eating you know the, the sort of cannibalistic yeah. <laughs> in their sort yeah. of approach yeah, that's over the last yeah. you know over the last few years i think people are just fed up of it you know yeah. um i think they're fed up of the drama um so i i think whatever happens you will get because i mean obviously labor being the second biggest party in in the country will get in i i i, I mean I, I understand your premise. I, I, I do. I do see what you're saying about it being unpredictable. But I, I really do think. I think the feeling is so strong towards the negativity towards the the, the, the Conservative Party. Yep. That I think Labour will just, as a result, they'll stumble their way in. Yeah, yeah. You know, in in that way. That's the main call, isn't it? Is a landslide yeah. for Labour. I think. But on the same, on the same basis, I think. A lot of their policies, you know, I I think it's been quite a while that they've been out of politics. Yeah. Oh, sorry, out of um, government. out of government. Yeah. Um, and as a result of being out of government, I think they how they'll react because is this a kind of Tony Blair nineteen ninety seven type of whitewash? I don't think so. Yeah. I think because love him or loathe him, and I know people are very very emotional about Tony Blair as well. He did come in, and I remember that 1997 moment, you know, like I was at school at the time and just sort of finishing school, and I remember it came on the back of this sort of huge wave of optimism, and I'm not sure that Keir Starmer can sort of, I don't think he can actually uh, create that kind of atmosphere, if that makes if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I agree. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of Tony Blair, but I would say... Uh, Tony Blair's charisma is unmatched when it comes to you know Labour Party leaders. Oh look, I mean, I also think domestically, I think you know, like the politics, 
the, the domestic politics and I think a lot of his policies and his vision for change um, were all very positive. I think he would have, I think he would have gone down as one of the greatest leaders of um, of the UK had it not been for Iraq. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think you know, um, if you if you if probably one of the biggest foreign policy blunders. I agree. Not just blunders. I mean, you know, it's it's a lot more serious than that. But you know, like one of the largest foreign policy sort of mistakes that we've seen, you know, like in our uh, in, in modern history. In modern history, yeah. um, apart take that. If you took that away, if you look at all of the euphoria, the optimism, the rise of uh, the UK over that period, and a diplomatic superpower, I would say. I really think at that point it was a du- diplomatic yeah, superpower. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we had a big say in whether we went into Correct. Iraq as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and I think that you, you sort of almost give him that credit. So, but that's that's where I sort of <laughs> I don't think that Keir Starmer has that. Yeah, you know, he, I don't think he's got the ability to sort of uh, connect. Um, to that degree, yeah. um, but you know, it's uh, look. As I said, I think it's there for them to lose, and I, I, I can't see them doing it. Um, you never know, you know. Yep. Politics, you know, it's a week is a long time in politics, let yeah. alone a year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, we don't have time to cover it this week, but um, I think you know, maybe uh, one for another week will be Rishi's campaign, and yeah. you know how the Conservatives have kind of led their their you know route to to success in their eyes yeah um but yeah thanks for that Sav. so just going on to our main topic as well so i think we'll deep dive this for for the next kind of 20 minutes or so but what we effectively wanted to kind of cover was uh their instagram suit was sued um by a number of u.s states uh last week i believe and uh, the claim was that social media has a negative impact on mental health and some of the evidence brought forward was kind of showing uh addiction uh pattern uh pattern behavior leading to suicide um and so it's it really kind of begs the question because i think um you know since the inception of social media you know companies like facebook and instagram etc there has been that kind of looming point of, you know, what is the impact of this on the mind? We were able to kind of work out that you can get addicted to social media. You can be impacted by the things you're seeing on it. You know, just from a kind of negative marketing perspective, it can it can have a, a kind of, sorry, negative impact on the mind. So uh, it's not a surprise. But what is a surprise is that uh, it's now tangible enough for governments to start suing the companies that are kind of running these Mm. uh, social media companies right so um, and do you think it's the case do you think social media has a negative impact if so what is that negative impact is it cancelled out by the positive yeah I mean it's really interesting that you mentioned that I had actually had a conversation with, with with an older uncle of mine more recently who, and you know, you always sit down with sort of an older generation, and you think, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna tell me everything that's wrong with, <laughs> you yeah. know, with social media, with Facebook, and <laughs> you yeah, <know>? exactly. <laughs> uh, this Twitter flaner, Twitter flaner. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, uh, I was actually really surprised, um, because actually, I mean, he he himself is uh, probably, I would say, he's a little bit of a campaigner. 
uh, when it comes towards, uh, you know, especially Israel, you know, Israel-Palestine conflict, you know, like how the Muslims have been treated in China, you know, uh, Syria um, and, uh, you know, the Saudis atrocities also in Yemen. Uh, so, you know, he, he, he sort of, he uses it as a platform and he said, he actually said to me, he said, you know, and I actually started the conversation with a bit of negativity towards it. And he says, you, but, you, but you know, he goes, I feel like there is a youth right now that is getting their information in a much more different way and it's a much more factual way. There's no, you know, like they're not, he said, for him growing up, it used to be so frustrating that he always felt that, for example, the media was quite biased, you know, like in terms of if you needed to find information, um, it was a lot more difficult. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. You you were literally you were fed what you were fed, and actually nowadays you get you know like certain elements of news. You're actually given a lot more information for you to make your own judgment off the back of that. Now, <clears throat> I I understand that argument, yeah. and I I actually I think that's right. Um, if if there wasn't a underlying algorithm you know that works within all of these social media networks exactly. i think sometimes what ends up happening is you get a confirmation bias and this again you know like you sort of get this manifestation of of your views um and you know like it keeps on sort of rolling and um rather than rather than getting all good information i think sometimes what you can end up getting is too much one-sided information and i do believe that is you know there's an element of it that sort of creates an extremity you know like you you sort of you start going towards extremes of things because you become so inculcated into that viewpoint that you're not willing to look at or listen to another point of view yeah. um <clears throat> and if somebody does come with a different angle towards something <clears throat> your initial reaction is almost to deny it or you know like wonder you know it, it's, yeah. it's it, it becomes it becomes very difficult to sort of be able to sift through so i do understand it i i, I get it to a large degree on that but i think there's a social element which i i find that social media has got a problem um yeah and it's the things that we spoke about earlier on you know it's the ones that sort of affect your mental health a lot more which is uh, how society perceives you and what you feel you need to be sort of showing through your social media outlets and a sense of being either a failure if you're not living up to that or, you know, that somehow you haven't either made it or, you know, it's it's almost like trying to achieve this dream. Yeah. You you start thinking relative to what you're seeing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree, Saf. It, it's a really, really tricky one. Um, look, the the way the way social media companies um, are designed are, are to get you addicted to mm, their content, mm. right? Now, and and when we talk about mental health, what are we talking about? We're talking about depression, insomnia, anxiety, right? So things that are linked with, you know, a kind of marketing campaign being run against you that you feel like you can't, you mm, know, connect mm. to necessarily. Now. The other thing as well is that, you know, social media does have a positive effect. You're right. Like you said, your your uncle, you know, t 
told you about all the information you can access. But I think the issue is around critical thinking, mm. right? It's your ability to interpret the information you're seeing. And assess it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, when I was at college, uh, they made me take a module with my politics uh, A-level, right? They were like, if you want to do politics, you have to do critical thinking with mm. it, right? And what critical thinking taught us was um, how to relate to the disagreeable, right? And how to, like, uh, um, second-guess the agreeable, right? So you shouldn't... There's certain things that you will naturally always empathize with or agree with, and you won't always know why, mm, right? Mm. But because <clears throat> of that, you yep. have to question it, yep. right? If your automatic instinct is to agree, ask yourself, why? Why am I agreeing, yeah. right? Like, always, always question. And so... I think that's the issue. And then we are inundated with information. Oh, right? absolutely. It's just so much. So yeah. you can just go down a hole and become a representative of that information. You know, it's it's so funny. Last week, I actually forgot my phone in my car, right? And um, and we went, you know, I took the children out. We, we went for a little day out in London. And, you know, I forgot it in there, went out and... You know, we went into sort of some shopping malls and this and that and the other. And I actually found myself, you know, like when you sit down, your instant reaction is to sort of take out your phone, phone and, yep. and, you know, like find something to either entertain you or to, you know, look at news and this. <clears throat> and I actually found myself sort of looking around, you know, for the first time. And it's, so it sounds one of like those philosophical things. I actually had to look around. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> like I breathe the fresh but air. But it's true though. But it's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but it was true. It was because, you know, like you actually sort of, you, you took in what was actually happening yeah. around you. Um, and it was a different, it was a different like uh, experience, you know, and it was, it's really odd. Like, you know, it was a different experience to what I normally am used to. Yeah. Um, you know, I put it, you know, even last, you know, I find myself, uh, there's this thing that somebody said, you know, doom scrolling. So it's like literally looking at sort of certain social media outlets and almost like, you know, like uh, refreshing the page because you're trying to find the next bit of information. We, we've almost become so, um, so attuned to this idea that every bit of information should be available to us at the drop of a hat. Yeah. That, um, and it was about this conflict. And, you know, you're sort of literally I was like scrolling through, scrolling through. You actually realize one thing that it can also do is it does have an impact on your mental health as well. Yeah, it does. You know, because you're, you're constantly sort of bombarded and news by its very definition, although, it, you know, like, although there can be good news, by its very defini- definition of what, you know, what we get interested in is usually negative. Yeah. And this obviously does can have a very negative um, impact towards your you know towards your health towards your social i mean you know same thing some somebody was saying to me the other day it was like you know when we didn't have social media we all seemed happier now is that true is that not i'm not sure you know um uh, I, I can't really speak for um i can speak to for myself as a younger person but that might have just been age yeah you know that i i i didn't feel the need um as much um, uh, you know, I di- wasn't sort of bombarded with bad news um, uh, all the time. And it, it, yeah, it probably did have a different sort of impact. Nowadays, I do get very, uh, it, it, I do find 
the news distressing or you know like the fact that it's always available to me yep absolutely and i have to know things almost immediately i remember for example um 9/11 9/11 was probably the first time where you know you had these sort of constant 24 hour rolling news channels and finding yourself sort of sitting in front of the television for like days you know like literally trying to find what the next bit of information was the yep. next bit of information next bit of information and um i think ever since then we have become accustomed to this idea of having our news available to us immediately yeah um there's also the emotional connection right so it's it's being constantly emotionally connected to developing stories right that that will almost always have a negative effect on the mind for me mm. you know um i'm i'm not on social media right so i don't follow uh, I've, i've withdrawn from twitter like everything you? Yeah. i was wondering what yeah, you yeah, yeah that's it's been years now <laughs> and you know i find my ability to now um comb through information in an objective way without too much bias without too much emotion is so much easier mm. right because when i was in the kind of news dynamic just constantly following what's going on following the arguments trying to understand which group supports what why why are they angry i was becoming a part of it right and for me it became a massive massive distraction mm. so not only was it everything i was reading and looking at and consuming but it's just my emotions right like i couldn't regulate them because uh, yeah. they've just completely been taken over by what i was looking at all the time yeah. so with the withdrawal from that i would say has had a really really positive effect mm. but you're right that you know we do have now a plethora of information we just have to get wise about how we use Absolutely, it right like yeah. and I, that's the transition we're going through I, and i think i'm not sure i'm not sure if it's just myself i mean you you i mean you know and i remember this very the uh, very vividly you were very active on mm. <laughs> social media you know you you um you know you 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 uh you you sort of understood the kind of twitter sphere and um all of that side of things and i probably also sort of ingrained myself but it's also funny over the years i've also taken a step back yeah. it's a kind of it's something that i do just as a you know i will check it you know maybe once or twice a day just yeah. sort of see what's you know what people are writing what's trending you know <laughs> like there might be something specific that you want to look look at but for the large part i don't I don't sit there constantly on it like I used to be. There used to be a time where I could do a I could do a 3-hour, 4-hour journey, you know, on a train and literally be constantly, you know, like constantly on it. Yeah. You know, and checking what's happened or something. I'm not sure if it's people like us if if we're just sort of moving away from it or I I do find that I do find that that's sort of become the case with a lot of people. um it's almost that they become a little bit bored of it all and they don't you know they don't want to be engaged in arguments um for the large part my wife for example and my yeah. wife used to always complain at me <laughs> she said why do you get into you know why do you get into these debates on twitter with people yeah, you know you're not, yeah, yeah. it's like you're not going to change their mind they're not yeah. going to change yours so yeah. she actually yesterday um engaged someone something completely different i mean you said something it was slightly related to what she does um as a midwife and uh you know there was a little bit of a uh and, and she decided just to respond to any respond to a message in a very sort of factual way that you know what you're saying is incorrect this didn't happen this is actually what happened and somebody responded in a very visceral negative way right 
and it's really sort of you know uh, you know my, my wife's not one for confrontation she doesn't you know she but she actually got very upset by it in the sense that yeah, you know is it actually you know and it was a, a thing and it actually played on her mind for a lot of the evening and i said you know don't worry about it you know like it's it's i think this is a thing but it does it does make you realize that you can fall into this trap you know of and it does create negativity because number one it's a faceless it's it's a faceless platform you know in yeah. many ways you're you're not engaging someone directly um you're not having to say those words out of your mouth as you look at somebody in the eye and okay. you know you have time to sort of cultivate a message which in itself you know you, you you can choose how to sort of make it sound so i i think sometimes the engagements on there aren't particularly great i don't think they're particularly useful um i think as a news source it can be fine i think the worrying thing just for someone that has children i think that whole instagram and snapchat these you know like these the, the more kind of visual types of social media i worry about incredibly yeah um i just worry about what type of life it 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 tries to sort of promote um yeah. i w- i would say in your wife's example as well right like once your blood pressure gets raised it's not coming back down for that day right like that's it so you know i i, I and that's what stopped me because i just yeah, thought yeah, right yeah. like if i get into a twitter spat at midday yeah that's my day gone right like i'm not coming back down from that it stresses me out and you're right because you know f- f- for me it's um it's facing the reality that there's somebody out there who could have that view yeah, and yeah. you know and that for some reason just completely turns me upside down <laughs> yeah. and uh you, you know, know once so, I, I, I tell you this funny you know i, I was sitting on an airplane and uh I, I responded to someone on twitter and um they responded very very aggressively back but just as i i was started you know writing the message they said you know you have to put your play- phones onto airplane mode and it was the worst 3 hours i've ever had because <laughs> this <laughs> because, guy's got yeah, one over on me yeah. <laughs> because i thought and i thought oh you know what he's going to respond now he's going to respond saying oh you've got no comeback yeah. you've got no comeback <laughs> that's and it thought, you know and i was i was raging <laughs> on this you know on this airplane and i thought to myself how how have i allowed this to think and i did you know as soon as we landed the very first thing was usually i have this thing of just at least letting my wife or you know like know that i've sort of landed safely or whatever the first very thing first thing i wanted to do <laughs> was get, guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was get back at the twitter guy yeah. but that's i mean, i think that's the point i think you know like it, it, it's it's um and it goes back to you know sometimes controlling your emotions it's it's Absolutely. very difficult to control your emotions in these kind of uh in that kind of sphere yeah um and you're right it has it has this natural tendency to sort of raise your blood levels and you know like you you and it will it'll get you angry for 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 the rest of the day yeah. which almost begs the question then you know is it, is it is it is it is it as useful at all that it should be exactly and i would say you know there's the short answer for me is no right <laughs> like is you you're probably better off um and look that's the moral of the story as well is you know don't get into arguments online um <laughs> yeah. you know and uh it's really important to preserve your mental health right it's not just about arguments it's also about the imagery you see online um and you know not to hold yourself to kind of unrealistic standards mm. um so much of what you see on social media is not real 
um, and you will continue hearing older generations saying that to younger generations. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because, you know, uh, for me, all of my happiness, my personality, everything was born from the real life, right? Absolutely. Like we grew up yeah. in a generation where the internet wasn't yeah. doing that to us. So, um, you know, I, I would urge the same for, for the next generation. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think, you know, even more recent, I was, as I sort of we were talking within the break and, um, you know, going through, uh, you sometimes you go through sort of little levels of hardship um, and you actually sometimes when you take a step back and you sort of look at yourself from outside in um, you, you suddenly realize that what are those a lot of those a lot of those sort of hardships that one suffers is because we feel like we're not actually achieving a status or we're not reaching a certain goal that we've assigned to ourselves um, sometimes completely arbitrarily, you know, like there's, there's no sort of background reason for it. There's no there's no necessity for it. Um, but we almost assign ourselves a certain um, a certain background and or a, a certain goal. Um, and when we don't achieve it, we suddenly feel that we're you know that that we're a lesser person almost immediately. And that, you know that that's where a lot of our anxieties sort of get held up on. Yep. Actually, well, sometimes when you take a step back and you look look at yourself in, and then you, you actually think, what is it that I actually am trying to achieve? And you know, most of us, I think, you know, for a large part, we're we're, we're trying to achieve a contentness, a peace of mind, a peace inside of ourselves. You know, and I think that's what. Look, I mean, for the large part, we we are a faith based uh, uh, radio station. That is what I think we, we've always tried to sort of ascribe to. You know, faith itself gives you that sort of internal peace. Um, the rest of it, the rest of life just becomes, you know, as is, what is, <laughs> and how you want to live it, really. It's, uh, I mean, you know, it's, 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 uh, I think social media has actually, you know, for the large part, it, it, it's, it's, it's really bought out from within us. Yeah. You know, some of our, uh, some of our real uh, fears, and anxieties um and it's also good to sort of take a step back from it, right? yeah so. absolutely and um you know i want to kind of wrap up this topic with a recommendation for our listeners so there's a, a selection of addresses by uh hazrat mirza masur ahmed uh listed uh, it's called social media um and I, I just wanted to kind of pick a couple of quotes from this as well i think that you know i'd really urge everyone to go away and read this it's not a very long kind of prose um, and, you know, it starts off with a foreword that says social media can lead to benefits and harms. Hence, um, uh, sorry, I'm reading the long, wrong part of the book. I'm reading the wrong part of the quote. Sorry, I'll start again. So in the current times, we are benefiting from the fast progress made through latest technology and communication systems, which provides many benefits at a global level. Instant communication, expression of opinion and knowledge of uh, sharing through social media. However, a bitter reality is also evident that the irresponsible use of social media has led to moral weaknesses at a personal and societal level. So, you know, Hazur is obviously, you know, there's a lot to unpack as well, mm, just from that small mm, quote. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I, I'm going to, there's, there's a lot in this that I could quote from, but just again, you know, young men of today who are not drawn to religion and are engrossed in the world think that these latest inventions such as television and internet are the real means to progress and are greatly influenced by such things. This is an extremely erroneous concept. This concept has created greater tyrants. 
This concept has created most the most cruel individuals. This concept has created many men who are great who are engrossed in hedonism. Each era has seen pharaohs created by this idea because of their power, wealth, might and grandeur. Allah the Almighty, who is the Lord of the worlds and the creator of all the worlds, has strongly refuted this concept. He said what you consider to be the objective of your life is not. You were not created so that you may gain benefit from the material things and then leave this world. No. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, I think, you know, that for me condemns the the kind of the the consumerist aspect of social yeah. media and uh, i agree with it wholly Mm-mm. no absolutely and i think uh real food for thought because i think <clears throat> as we do we we have a we have this tendency and i, I definitely see it again uh, amongst youth of today that um the the need and the requirement to sort of be involved and sort of constantly engaged on social media um becomes I, I think it almost I, I think it's a burden for them that they have to bear um so i actually feel you know i, I actually genuinely actually feel sorry for many of them because i feel you know it, it feels like this is something that they have to participate in yeah but um i think i'll go back and I, i'm going to put my i'm going to put my parent hat on and say none of that's real life yeah <laughs> you yeah. know for a large part a lot of that is not real life of what you see on there. Um, Absolutely. Um, and, you know, as we move towards a world of artificial intelligence, right, this is only going to become more difficult mm. um, is, you know, being able to kind of cut through information, work out what's accurate and what isn't. Um, you know, so it's it's interesting times. But thank you so much for uh, listening. Any final thoughts from you, Seth? No, no, no. Okay, no. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think usually we, we cover the sport. Um is there anything to say on sport this time? Well, no. I mean, I think we're probably just sort of seeing we we sort of got the we got the cricket World Cup, which is in full swing, and um, I think uh, many of our listeners probably from a uh, from a southeast uh, East Asian background will probably be quite uh, disheartened uh, with with the uh, with the leaderboard. Um, uh, looks like Pakistan will make uh, won't won't be won't be making it through to the semi finals. Um, but a very good close match against uh, Afghanistan. Uh, sorry, with Afghanistan is against South Africa, um, which they lost. But a big drubbing by Afghanistan. Um, England also have looked as if they're they're, they're going to be um, coming out <laughs> with, without their heads, <laughs> sort of hanging their heads in shame. Um, so yeah, it doesn't it, it doesn't really. Uh, bode well, but uh, good luck, I think, to the Indians. <laughs> I say that begrudgingly, but <laughs> good luck to them. I think they'll they'll probably be. Uh, they look very strong, uh, to be quite frank, and uh, I think I think they'll be probably going through. Um, on on the football front, I think we're uh, we're back again into sort of Premiership territory. Um, the main sides look to be doing pretty well. Arsenal. Um, uh, you know, ha- having a little bit of a slip up, but um, yeah, it's 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 sort of in full flow. Tottenham doing incredibly well uh, last night as well, so they now find themselves at the top of the top of the um, uh, top of the Premier League. Um, so yeah, on the, on the whole, I think uh, um, you you've been following any sport? No, and I mean no. Well, I mean I I watch 
boxing and UFC, that's probably not appropriate for this. <laughs> yeah, so. Are you allowed to talk about it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in boxing, obviously, you know, I, I, boxing's a bit of a mess, if I'm honest, you know. It's really hard to get competitive fights. I think, you know, the the, the main people you want to see kind of fight against one another uh, don't end up fighting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, so I'd say boxing is in a bit of, bit of a mess, but I think we're gonna, we've got uh, Tyson Fury fighting... Francis and Garni, yeah, 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 uh, which yeah. is going to be kind of a. He's coming out of retirement for that. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, yeah, but it's, I think this is his second retirement, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and we were talking about social media. Actually, uh, there's been uh, there's a lot of social media sporting events now as well. Yeah, uh, my I've noticed my younger kind of brother watching those where you have YouTubers and oh yeah uh, yeah doing yeah boxing yeah, yeah. events and but I mean that's I mean that's just. Circus, isn't it? Yeah, is it, yeah. I'm, be, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, because I, it's another thing I, I find quite odd is my my children. I mean, the oldest one's ten, and the sort of the middle one's seven, and they know these YouTube people. I've never heard of them before, and I don't know in what capacity. You know, like they've he- heard of them, but it would be someone that's. So you know, like they, we walked into a shop the other day, and they wanted this prime, prime yeah. drink. Yeah, from uh, Logan Paul and KSI, I believe. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you know more yeah. than I do. <laughs> because exactly, they said something along those lines. It's like, oh yeah, this is you know their drink. And I was like, you know, who are these people? Yeah, and and when he said it was, you know, like oh they're YouTubers, and he said them as if I should know this. You know, like he said this as if they were like sort of real, you know. I and I was you know and I I couldn't understand that you know like this is the new sort of celebrity era is that you know that they they've sort of moved on I mean I think entertainment has moved on to quite a degree that that's what they interest and I actually I I actually look at some of the things that they get interested in and you know what they watch and I've realized the I'm, and I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I'm really not sure. What what I've noticed with them is that they have this tendency of wanting to watch things in bite-sized pieces, very short. Yeah. But they're, you know, very quick. And it's almost like impactful and then they, it's it's gone. And then they move on to the next thing incredibly quickly. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to them when I was younger, waiting for Night Rider on Wednesday night. Yeah, you had to wait a week. Yeah, <laughs> you had to that's, wait it. A week. that's it. You had to wait a week. Nothing was on demand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would, yeah. I would say like the, the current format probably encourages like ADHD in terms of, you know, does, only be, it, yeah. being able to absorb short form content. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that concerns me is children were always seen as like the untapped frontier for like marketing people yeah. right and so social media has enabled that yeah yeah um, it really has and yeah. that's where you're seeing things like yeah. prime and you know yeah and i was very surprised and he said you know and i was asking him about it and he said you know like everyone at school talks about this yeah you know? and this is the seven-year-old yeah you know and he says oh they all talk about it dad you know like and oh you know, such and such. He's had a he's had a like you know he's had a swig of like prime. You know, like yeah, you know, yeah. can, and it's like no, you can't. You know? yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, uh, you got to go out and buy the prime. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's no, the but problem. I mean, you know, it, yeah, it was like it, it became a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we we all probably you know are probably sort of sounding like an old old fogey right exactly now. <laughs> yeah that's why i'm like yeah we should probably stop talking on this um but yeah no i'm sure youtube events are fun for some of our listeners um but, but yeah, yeah no it's been good i mean I, I don't know and then of course uh i think um 
we've seen, I think, I'm not sure how many people would be interested, but the Rugby rug, rugby World yeah. Cup's come, coming to an end this evening with the, with the All Blacks in South Africa. So, I mean, you know, for, for those of the people that are interested, I know if Shazza was here, he, he wouldn't allow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. It'd be strictly football. It would strictly be football. Yeah, we made the most of it today. <laughs> but um, uh, he'd probably be sitting upset at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, Seth, and thank you to all our listeners. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks. Yeah, we will be. Thank you. Thanks.